Let's give it up for the Lord for a beautiful life. We praise God. Come on, I want you to praise God for a beautiful life. We don't just praise God on the good days. We praise God on the bad days. And today we praise God for life that Azariah had. Now I want everyone to listen to me, please. You may get it confused in a time like this. You may think to yourself that somehow God is unfair. And let's take it out on God today. Look at what he did. He could have done something for that child. How is this even possible that a good God would exist in the midst of so much suffering? I watched my mother weeping as I preached my first funeral as a pastor. I'm your friendly neighborhood pastor, Joe Y. Ross, if you heard from my wife. And the first funeral I preached was my sister's funeral as she died, drinking and driving here in the suburbs, hitting a pole going 70 miles an hour. And I was forced to answer that question as a new Christian. Every day I would get up and I would pray and I would love the Lord. But this day, the day that my sister died, I got up differently to my mother shaking me at five in the morning with tears coming down her eyes. She said to me, Jenny is dead. Jenny is dead. I had to take my mother by the arms and then swoop her right down to my bed, to my knees and say, God, we still give you praise and we trust you now. The saddest time of my life was watching my mother go to my sister's car and pull out the mementos of her life. Now up until that point, every day was a good day with Jesus, and that's how I always spoke to people. Every day is a good day with Jesus. But I remember being at the gas station that day, and someone just asking me, how are you doing? And there was a moment of hesitation. I've seen my mother break down. I've woken up with tears in my eyes. This is the biggest tragedy to hit our family at that time. And I had a split second choice to make. Do I let death overshadow the life of God and answer back this person with some mumbly answer? Or do I look them right in the eyes and say, doing good because every day is a good day with Jesus. That took more faith from me in those few moments than all of my Christianity to trust God in the times of evil. You see, my friends, let us not get distracted in the 21st century as we may think to ourselves, we are so unique to deal with suffering. Susanna Wesley, the mother of John Wesley, had 19 children. By the time she died, only seven, seven of them were alive. In the 1800s, the infant mortality rate was uncontrollable. The bubonic plague that swept through Europe. Children have been buried by parents for all of, it, of human history. But yet God has been there speaking to us in the midst of our pain. The Bible is not written to the Chicago Shore Dance Club who wants to drink away their problems today. Though it applies to them, it is not for Donald Trump Tower folks in the pinnacle of their life making the most amount of money. Though it can apply to them. The Bible is written to people who honestly look at suffering and say, I can't take it. This sucks. I don't like it here. And God provides an answer. And the answer we may not like because it gets real, real quick. And here's the answer. I gave humanity a choice. They started in my family. 
they were with me. Perfect bodies, perfect environment, a perfect woman and a perfect man. And I said to them, this is my plan. This is my kingdom. But there is a way out. He did not make us as robots. Notice the story of the Bible you've heard so many times. It isn't God. Bing, 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 bing. Enter, and then came out the computer program of humanity. We love God because we were controlled, programmed by the computer to do this. God is not our puppet master, and we are not Pinocchio. So everyone here that wants to be an atheist, a God-hater, and throw the tomato at God's face, I say, how did you get the right to do that anyways? It's because the thing we value most, human autonomy and individuality, was a gift from God. And that meant in that garden, you could be who you wanted to be. God had himself a choice. Robots, no evil. But they'll never know love. They'll never know love. They will only be what I program them to be. Or there can be a world of love. But they will not always choose me. And I will have to judge this place. And there will be suffering here. God chose the world of choice. And if you choose to hate him for it, that is your choice. Hell is not a place that God kicks you down the road with ACDC so you can go on the highway to hell. No, hell is exactly what C.S. Lewis said, what you get in the end, a place without God. So Adam and Eve have a choice. Here's the eject button. I don't want it. I don't want perfect garden. I don't want perfect environment. I don't want a life without suffering and death. I want to be my own God. I want to choose my own gender. I want to choose my own sexuality. I want to choose what I decide to do in my life. It's my life. You put me here, and now I want it back. It's mine. And that day, my friends, three things came to this planet that you will never understand without a Christian worldview. You will never understand it without a Christian worldview. Three things came to this planet. Sorrow, sickness, and sin. Instantly. Sorrow, sickness, and sin. Now you fast forward 2,000 years. Who is walking this earth talking about sorrow, sickness, and sin? Is it Muhammad still dead in the grave? Is it Buddha still dead in the grave? No. It is a person hanging on a cross saying, here is where your sorrows, your sickness, and your sins go. And what the cross says to every single one of us is this, and get it quickly and get it deeply. He says, I know your pain more than you will ever know. And he says, I love you more than you will ever know. Because God has watched us suffer the penalties of our sin. Azariah did nothing wrong to deserve death. Nothing wrong. But he is of the Adamic race, the race of Adam and Eve, who all deserve to go to hell. But because of Jesus, we now can trust he is in heaven. And my friends, those who now have a choice in the land of living, of the living, can choose heaven right now. And so I want to give you your options before we go out of here today. Here they are, and do not mistake them. You can disbelieve in God, and the Bible says you are a fool. The fool says in their heart there is no God. You have no explanation where you came from. Well, there was a big bang. Who banged it? 
Have you ever seen nothing bang something and create everything? It's unscientific to believe in such nonsense. But men will do that because their conscience doesn't want to serve a God with commands. Something banged, and it was the word of God banged. Let there be light, and it happened. You can disbelieve God, and you can say, I have a problem with evil. I have a problem with the God that would put me here. If there is no God, there is no problem of evil. Take a look at the universe. You are nothing but a speck of dirt here for a momentary time in a universe headed towards heat death. Your arguments in your life are meaningless. You literally have to sit on the lap of God using your individuality and your reason to slap him in his face and say, I don't believe in you because it didn't go my way. That's your first option. Your second option is to be religious. Is to say, well, if there's a God, I might as well start doing religious things now. I might as well start uh, becoming superstitious because maybe bad things happen to good people because they're not doing enough religious things. And so you'll try to go pray more and do this more. But you will find out really quickly that you're not religious enough. You will break your own rules and you will become a real hypocrite to all these things you set up in your life. And guess what? At the end of the day, you still have nothing but sand in your hand because it will pass right through you and none of your religious works will do anything to save you. Or number three, you cannot come to a religion or disbelieve in God, you can come to Jesus Christ. And so I want to appeal to you to come to Jesus Christ today. I want to give you a scripture. Will you turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 if you have a Bible? I couldn't pass up this opportunity. We'll do our announcements and offering at the end, but I could not pass up an opportunity to preach God's word at such a powerful time. We believe in the power of Jesus Christ in life and in death. Like those who I was watching the movie on Hacksaw Ridge, they know that though in life we may have suffering, but if we suffer for the cause of Christ, there is victory in the end. That's why we go to war. Many in this generation of the millennials, you don't know what war is like. All you know is your extreme uh, sport drinks. You drink Red Bull so you can go to the beach and party all night long. Your ancestors, my grandparents, stormed up beaches and died and faced evil face to face. And so sometimes we shelter ourselves from life and death and don't understand what it's really all about. There's real evil in this world. There's real death in this world. There are real questions you must answer in this world. And I say they're found in Jesus. Why do evil people exist? Because God gave them a choice. They chose the wrong thing. Why does death happen to good people? Why do we have a sickness? Why do people I love right now have to go to cancer treatment this week? Because sickness is here because of the curse of sin. But there is a curse bearer. There is a sin bearer. And his name is Jesus. And all who look to him will find forgiveness of sin, healing of sickness, and life from the grave. Life from the grave. Look at this Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in the ways you used to live. And so what we have to understand is that all of us have been dead in our sins without Jesus Christ. It says when you follow the ways of this air, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is at now in work, the work of those who are disobedient. So let me just encourage you during this time. Don't be disobedient to the, to the Lord. Everybody say, I'll be obedient. Now let me just skip ahead because I want to give you the good news. In the few moments that I have left. It says right here in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Amen. To do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Everybody look up at me please. I won't be long but hear this quickly. 
The work that God created Azariah to do has been completed, and it was good in the sight of God. Amen. It was good in the sight of God. I don't understand how it was in all the ways good, but I know it will be explained to me in heaven. I can ask God for a long essay on how evil works towards good, or I can trust him and love him now. I trust him. This family trusts him. The Pillmans trust him. The Nieves trust him. And so here's what we need to do in the land of the living. The Bible says, though I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. <laughs> the reason why we get shooken up in times of death is because we fear the evil. And we get afraid of the shadow of death. But you see, death isn't what we should be afraid of. Because death has been conquered by Jesus. So what you today could fear to be the worst thing, and trust me, no one wants to go through it. I get it. The one thing about living is we all got to die, right? I get it. No one wants to die, right? But here's the thing. You and I don't have to be afraid for he is with me. His rod and staff, they will comfort me. Because evil is here and we experience it, what should it cause us to do? Should it cause us to run away from God or should it cause us to run to God? So what does Azariah teach us? One good thing today, one good thing is that we all are going to die no matter how innocent we think we are. But we need to trust in God that cares about us. And, and, and so when we see the innocent and the precious die among us of cancer, and there's hospital wards all around here with children dying, one that I'm praying for now is six years old, right? And we see this. What do we see? What is, what is the lesson here? Life is short. Evil comes through our lack of trust of God, not death. So will you trust God in the midst of death? Will you trust him if all that you have, you lose? When did God ever become our best, uh, uh, our, he's our best friend, but when did God ever become our best chance to become rich? When, when did God become uh, like the price is right? Do you know that there were Christians on Palm Sunday showing up to church, and their church was bombed while they were having sacred assembly? How do you explain that to your children? This one man, he died, and the, and the mother's talking to the children. How do you explain? Daddy loved Jesus and went to church, but bad man exploded a bomb and killed him at church. Right? How do you explain that without understanding that there's got to be hope beyond the scope of human there was a man named Horatio that worked here in Chicago in the 1800s working with D.L. Moody. He sent his family ahead of him to go to a trip to Europe. His, the, the, the ship went down. His wife held on to the children as long as she could. She passed out. She woke up, no children in her hand. She lost all of her children. They drowned. He said, take me to that same ship, uh, to that, uh, on that same journey. He went to that same journey, around that same place. The, 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 the sailor guy said, this is where that other one went down. And he wrote the book or wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And then the wife also said this, I am no fair weather friend of Jesus. And you put this up, Mama, you have this, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He loved Azariah more than we ever could, and he feels the pain more than we ever can. For it is by grace you have been saved. I don't want to try to earn my good works today. I want to accept the good work of Jesus Christ and live by faith. 
I will mourn. I will weep. And I don't say this in any kind of lighthearted way, but you will face a lot more than this in your life. You will bury more in your life. You will hurt more in your life. And you will have a decision to make. Will I trust the God of heaven and earth? Because in verse 10, because I am God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. I was created. I did not come from the goo through the zoo to you. I am not a product of a mindless evolutionary chance. I have a soul. I am valuable. And I am created in Christ Jesus for a purpose. And as long as there is breath in my lungs, I will do them. And that's what this family has to do. They have to do the good works of God. David lost a child in the Bible, and, he, and God told him, you, you know, he's not coming back to you, but you can go up to him. We have good works to do in this culture. We must impact this world for Jesus Christ, for the time is short. And we must mourn with those who mourn, and we must rejoice with those who rejoice. Tell me what am I supposed to do as a pastor when this very same day, two children come back into our church after their mothers had their, their babies, they've taken their time off, at the same time I'm having a funeral. Am I schizophrenic? No. We share the heart of God. We rejoice with the mothers and the newborn babes that are just weeks old, and we mourn with those who have lost. And that is life, my friends. That is your life, and that is mine. That's why many of us don't want the news, don't want Facebook, oh, I just can't take it anymore. But you live in a life of death and suffering, but God's goodness and glory is still here. I was created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. May we live for those good works. Would you stand with me, please, and give it up for Jesus in this house? We're going to ask our band to come and altar workers to come. We normally would have announcements and ties and offerings and all of those wonderful things, but uh, we're going to be in, in, in honor of our family and friends. Thank you for coming here. And we want to end like this today with prayer. For those of you who need to know Jesus more, and for those of you today who want to surrender your life to God. The only hope I have for you and for me is that God cares and he will show it to us every time we pray to him. When I look to the cross, I don't know about you. I don't know what you see. And I can't speak for you. You might have seen Mel Gibson's rendition. You might have seen plays at church. I don't know. But let me tell you what I see at the cross. I see at the cross the pain I see in your eyes. I see at the cross the pain of my mother grabbing an air freshener out of a car that's in pieces because it belonged to my sister, trembling and hitting the ground and being picked up. I see the pain of watching a mother when I was pastoring in New Orleans screaming at the top of her lungs why did you have to take my son? He had got shot in the head by a shotgun right in front of her. And that she is screaming, why did it have to be my son? 
Put a picture of the cross, please. Not of Jesus on it, because we know he's risen, but just something that reminds us of the cross. I don't know what you see when you see the cross, but I see a God saying, I know your pain. I know why you cry. I know why you hurt. But there is hope here. We just celebrated Easter. What does that mean for all of us? Resurrection. Resurrection life. Let me just say this to you. Look up at me, please. We think we're so smart in the 21st century, yet we become so dumb. Let me tell you how we become so dumb with our smartness. Oh, I, I don't believe in a resurrection. That's just so stupid. Once you're dead, you're dead. But yet you believe you can take a USB thing made of plastic and some metal, put it in one computer, download information, carry it over here to another computer, and put that information there. You're saying God can't take my soul, put it there, and put it back here? Come on, you and I in the 21st century have become so numb to the supernatural world. When you lose this body, your spirit goes to be with God. And if you know and love him, you will come back raised like Christ was raised. You will live for eternity in the presence of the Lord. And those who don't, that's why there's a hell. But I'm not going to focus on hell. Let's talk about heaven. Are you ready to go if it was your time? What about that young lady that was, uh, well, really a mother, standing at the bus stop, the corner? Hey, there's nothing going to happen here. Just two years ago in Chicago, standing at the corner. Here comes the CTA. <sighs> Meet your maker, ma'am. I was in a car accident driving home from a family's party. Five kids in my car. Snowy out, doing good. Other guy wasn't. Ran through a light, totaled both of our cars, put my wife in the hospital, and had her go through six months of recovery. Are you promised a safe voyage home today? One of my youth pastors when I was growing up had a brain aneurysm on the basketball court. Four-year-old guy, just shooting hoops. Boom, down, meet your maker. Let us make sure we're ready to meet our maker, number one. Number two, let us live with the joy of the Lord every day we are alive. Every day you are alive. Give glory to God for what you have. There is nothing that can replace Azariah's life. But they need to have a family. They can make a new baby and keep going. They will never replace Azariah. But God says have children. Where's Jessica and Sabado over here? I watched Jessica and Salvador bury Hezekiah, born a preemie, living in an incubator for two or three weeks. And then when he passed, it was the most devastating thing I could see as a young pastor. And we know Hezekiah is in heaven. But they've had two more children, and they're living for God. Phoebe <coughs> Life goes on, but it's not oh my dear, oh my da. Life goes on, and it's praise God. Hallelujah. Praise Hallelujah. God. Hallelujah. Praise God. That is our word for you. We'll pray now in closing. Thank you for your time. I will be here to answer any questions, to pray with you if you need it. All altar workers are here to pray and answer any questions. With every head bowed and eyes closed, are you ready to meet Jesus? If you're not ready to meet Jesus, confess him as the Lord of your life. He died on the cross, rose from the dead, and say, I believe in Lord. 
It's a simple prayer, but it's a release of the heart, a surrender of the will. Nothing more than Adam and Christina would want you to do is to accept Jesus right now. Take your life serious. Look at Azariah today as an example of the shortness of life and to say, I will live for Jesus. It was at a funeral for a child that I was awakened to the need of a Savior in a world of death and suffering. Jesus is here for you right now. I'm going to talk for 30 more seconds. Christians are praying with me. Your heart may be beating fast. You may be arguing with yourself. I just compel you right now in these next few moments to humble yourself and say in your own words, in your own heart, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I need you. It sucks down here, Jesus. Take my sin. Take my sorrow. Be my joy in the midst of this pain. In your own words, 15 more seconds. Who here today wants to reach out to a loving Savior that knows your pain more than you could ever know it? He went through it for you. And He loves you more than you'll ever know. Ten more seconds. Heaven and hell is at stake. Make your choice. This child will not come to us, but we can go to Him. I want to live for Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. Now everybody wants to live for Jesus. Raise up your hands and say, my life or my death, I will live for you. I will live for you, Jesus. I don't dare you to worship him for 60 seconds, to worship him with tears in your eyes, to worship him in the shadow of death, to tell him that you love him, that you trust him, that you believe that he created you for a purpose. Come on, who today believes in a purpose beyond this short life? Who believes this life that conquers death? Who believes in the love of God today? Who believes? We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Glory out of your nose. Glory out of your nose. Hallelujah. Strengthen us when we need. Take us up when we're discouraged. Help us when we feel like quitting. Give us the energy. Give us the motivation to love you, to love others. Oh, put your hand on your heart and say, God, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to love others. Come on, I will stay for love. Say it again, God, I will love you. And I will love others. Here's my closing prayer. We'll dismiss after this. Those who may want to give tithes and offerings, we have drop boxes in the back. The life group announcement for this week are on the Facebook page. Here's my closing prayer. My prayer before I get there is this, that all of us will keep it in our heart as we leave. You think I forgot Hezekiah? It was eight years ago. I was standing over that incubator in a hospital. And I will not forget Azariah. I will not forget him. I will not forget the faith of the parents and the grandparents. I will not forget the tears. Because they will remind me of a good God. I pray that for you now as we get ready to go. Father, in the name of Jesus, may we not forget this moment. May this memory become seared in our hearts. And as I said to one earlier today, may we just know this, that the devil is bad and sin is bad, but God is good and Jesus loves me. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. Peace are part of the God bless you. You are dismissed. One more thing to sing. And the family may stay as long as you want.